are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. Follow my work by following me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. And I am back online after uh, dealing with a little bit of a spring head cold. Uh, I apologize if I sound a little out of it still. It's it's the remnants of the cold, but, you know, the show must go on. And uh, there's plenty to continue to talk about when it comes to the New York Giants. So in today's show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the comments made by Giants ownership at the NFL owners meeting. Both John Mara and Stephen Tisch spoke to a small group of reporters out in Phoenix where these spring meetings are being held. And uh, I unfortunately am not out there. I wish I were out there. It would be really good for for what ails me. But um, obviously the quotes made themselves back east and I had an opportunity to take a look at them. I had an opportunity to do some writing and write some reactions about them and now what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk a little bit about what was said. So um, I'm going to have to read the quotes to you. I don't have audio to play. I do apologize but um, I'm going to read what was said and just kind of react a little bit to the various um, quotes. So with John Mara um, was basically did most of the talking and there were three topics he talked about Eli Manning Odell Beckham Jr. and he also mentioned Landon Collins so I'm going to start off with quarterback and um, it's interesting because uh, a couple of questions that were asked of John Mara was if he is holding on to Eli for sentimental reasons and Mara's response from what I understand was uh, very um, well, may- maybe not very animated, but it was animated somewhat. He responded to that question. Uh, I read that and I have to tell you that has that really gets under my skin because that is absolutely nonsense. Do I feel a sort of sentimentality towards Eli? Of course I do. Would I ever let that get in the way of making a football decision? Absolutely not. I would never tell a coach or a GM that we have to keep this guy because we love him and he has done so much for the franchise. Make a football decision based on whether or not you think he can play or not. If you think he can and you have a conviction or the coach has a conviction, that is fine. I will never interfere with that based on my sentiment with a player. Okay, a little bit, um, to me, a little bit of mixed message there. You know, Mara's saying that, you know, he doesn't have, um, that that the whole, this whole concept that he has no sentimentality towards Eli Manning, you know, as far as making a decision on his future is nonsense. But then he goes on to admit that he does have a little bit of a fondness for Eli. And why not? You know, Eli brought the franchise two Super Bowl championships has been a you know a model citizen both on and off the field and just a, you you couldn't have asked for a better representative to be your face of the franchise but with that said um you look at the situation as is and while I agree with Mara that you you want to surround Eli with better talent I think you know you have to expand that and say not just Eli but you have to put 
better talent on the field, not just, again, for Eli, but also for whoever the next quarterback is. So really what the Giants are doing this offseason, and that is they're beefing up that offensive line, they're redoing the receiving core, um, hopefully they're going to get Saquon Barkley involved more in space. That's all not just for Eli, but that is also for whoever the next quarterback is. Now, speaking of the next quarterback, Mara was asked about that. And um, let's see, he said, yes, we are definitely going to address the quarterback in this draft. The plan is to build a team and make it better. I don't know why that is such an issue with the media or the fans. That is the plan. Okay, so in one sentence, he's saying that they're going to address the quarterback, okay, which I don't dispute. I do believe the Giants are going to take a quarterback. Will they take a quarterback at number six? That I'm not convinced they will do. Will they take a quarterback at 17? Possibly, only if I think a couple of guys are there that I could see being, you know, an option. And I'm going to withhold the names of those guys who I think they might be looking at until I get to my mock draft, which is it's coming up, folks. I'm going to be doing a mock draft uh, soon. But um, but see, here's where where um, John Mara kind of contradicted himself a little later on. Um, you know, he's talking about or he talked about how it would be a great scenario to have a young quarterback sit and learn behind Eli um, going on to say, quote, I don't want us to force a situation where if the value of the quarterbacks is not there, then don't take one. If it's there, then take one, uh, unquote. Then he goes on to say, quote, would we love to have a quarterback out of this draft? Yes, but only if we have a conviction about it. We are not there yet. Until they bring these guys in, put them on the board and put the final grades up, we are a long way from that, end quote. So I hear that quote and, you know, I got to think that the Giants have been doing work on these quarterbacks. They've been at pro days. You know, they met them at the combine. I'm sure they had meetings. I know there are visits coming up. I, I would not be surprised if Dwayne Haskins comes in, Drew Locke comes in, uh, Kyler Murray comes in, Daniel Jones comes in, possibly Will Greer comes in. And I get it, those meetings can be a little bit longer and a better opportunity to really get to know the guys. But uh, I, I just get the sense and when I read that quote that they don't have a conviction on a quarterback. You know, I think back to this time last year when everybody and their uncle knew it was going to be Saquon Barkley. I mean, the Giants made absolutely no attempt to hide that they were looking to get Saquon Barkley if he was on the board. And of course, they did get Saquon. Um, but this, t this time, it just sounds like, um, you know, they don't have a firm conviction that there's still a little bit of uncertainty there. And, you know, can a quarterback at this point um, change their mind? perhaps but you know if you also take into consideration that they've done the film work on these kids um, you just wonder if maybe there's a split opinion existing in the front office about these quarterbacks okay final point on the quarterbacks has to do with Manning himself and if there is a possibility that Manning will play beyond 2019. Now, both John Mara and Steve Tisch said they will take it one day at a time, I'm sorry, one year at a time with him. But I'm kind of wondering uh, if, if perhaps the Giants are just going to do it anyway. And In other words, they haven't yet, to my knowledge, extended Eli, which is what I would have suggested they do. Um, had they um, 
wanted to lower Eli's uh, salary cap space or, or salary cap hit for this year. So they didn't do that this year. But I can kind of see now why they didn't do it. And I think the reason why they didn't do it is because if they had done it this year and then they had gotten the quarterback that they wanted, there was always the risk that they would have to cut Eli and then lo and behold, dead money. And it looks like they want to try and you know, curtail uh, that dead money that they've accumulated. The last couple of years, they, they've been at or near the top of the league in dead money. But my gut feeling uh, is that Eli is is going to play 2019. I do think they're going to draft a quarterback. I'm not sure, again, that it's going to be at number six. I think, you know, 17 is in play. And if 17 is not in play, I would say maybe the second round could be in play. But um, I do think that um, I would not be surprised, put it this way, that uh, if Eli came back in 2020, uh, unless they get, you know, the quarterback at six, which, again, I don't think is going to happen. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Odell. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family. You're with Patricia Trena, and I am doing, uh, it's, I'm a little late with the show. I do apologize. Uh, earlier today, uh, just wasn't feeling well. The voice finally cleared up a little bit. So here I am. I have some reactions and some thoughts about what John Mara and uh, Steve Tisch, the two co-owners of the Giants, had to say at the start of the of the uh, NFL meetings going on this week in Phoenix. So in this segment, I want to talk about Odell Beckham Jr., um, who, of course, was a big topic. You know, we heard from Dave Gettleman last week about what went into the decision to move Odell. And this week we were able to hear from um, from John Mara and Steve Tisch, who both said they reluctantly gave approval to Gettleman to move Beckham in return for a draft hole, uh, a, a draft haul, excuse me, um, to that included Jabril Peppers, the safety from the Browns, uh, who was a first round pick a couple of years ago, the number 17 pick overall, and a third round pick, which of course would be more than the um, the cost of a franchise tag, which Dave Gettleman kind of used as his litmus test when he spoke to the media. So Mara, uh, when asked about it, said that, you know, he didn't think it was going to happen. And even, you know, even to the last, uh, to, to the last moment, he thought that Odell would be a member of the Giants in 2019. And um, ultimately, he gave his seal of approval, as did Steve Tisch, to make the move. And, uh, you know, the, their only, I guess, condition, if you want to call it that, was not to give Odell away. Um, now, contrary to belief, I you know, Mara spoke and he said that he likes Odell very much. He said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, he noted that Odell was not a criminal. He wasn't really, you know, when, when you think of NFL bad boys, he, he didn't quite fit the mold. What Odell did do, though, is obviously he brought distractions into the locker room. And I go back to the um, the interview that he did with ESPN last year and how that rocked the franchise to the core. And it angered Mara. You know, he, he came out, he said, you know, look, I wish he'd do a little more playing and a little less talking. Um, I'm sure it angered Pat Shermer, you know, because then the, the team had to deal with the distraction for not just that week, but for a week or two after. 
And um, Mara, in, in his comments to reporters, said, uh, you know, talked about the distractions that Beckham's actions caused. And he said, quote, honestly, there were times where it being it being the non-football news did bother me. Yes, I had conversations with him about it, but it was never to the point where we said to Dave that we had to get rid of him. It never reached that point. Was it a factor in the final decision? Yes, it is a factor. The thing about him, though, is that he's a good guy. He did good things with us. He was terrific with the Make-A-Wish kids that we brought in each week. It was not as though we brought in a guy who was like going to be a criminal or anything. There were never those issues. There were some extra issues that he brought into the building every day, but not to the point where it was unmanageable. Okay, again, I detect kind of a, um, a, um, a conflict there. In other words, they're saying that it's not, the move wasn't made necessarily because, you know, Odell was a distraction, but yet it was. And, you know, you can make the argument that on a team that finishes 5-11, and 11, um, everybody is up for grabs. But I, I highly doubt that if somebody had come along with an offer for Saquon Barkley, the Giants would have listened. I just don't see that being the case. And when it comes to Odell, I have to believe that, that you know, it got to a point where the Giants were tired of all the off-field distractions, of having to answer the questions, of having the headlines on them for the wrong reasons. And, you know, when the offer came along, it was just too good to, to pass up. And so the decision was made. Um, and Odell is now a Brown. Now, it's funny because if you go on and you, you read more of what Mara had to say, he said, it, I'm not going to lie to you. It won't be easy. He's a great player, and I hope he has a great career with the Browns, but it makes it a little easier that he's not in our conference. I have strong feelings about Odell, too. I thought we had a really good relationship. I'm going to miss seeing him around. You can't let sentiments get in the way. I think ultimately, if we make the right decisions, we will be better off in the long run. Okay, that's an interesting comment as well, because, you know, if Odell wasn't this tremendous problem um, and he, you liked him enough to where maybe you could have made it work and maybe you know hope that he continued to mature you know now you just traded away a, a generational receiver so it just to me it just sounds like the Giants got fed up with all the distractions and they decided to move on like I said they got an offer they couldn't refuse they felt that it was for even more value than what they would have gotten had they franchised him but again, the drawback is, is now they have to eat $16 million in dead money, which is a huge, huge hit. And, um, you know, if, if they were going to feel that way, then, you know, or if they weren't sure, why not just, you know, let Odell play out the uh, his, his option year of his rookie deal and then franchise tag and then see what would have happened. Uh, and then, you know, if he had acted up or, or if you had felt that way that, you know, he was a distraction, then you could have just taken that tag off of him. So lesson learned. It was an expensive one. And oh, by the way, Mara also said that a couple of his grandsons sobbed uncontrollably when he told them that he had traded away their favorite player. Um, hey, so did a lot of giant fans who are still upset about the move. And uh, I would not be shocked at all if John Mara received tons and tons of, of mail from, from his paying customers uh, asking why or, 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 you know, I'm sure some of the, the mail was probably even more colorful in, in its language. But 
these are the decisions you have to make when you're an owner. So, hey, you guys want to be a team owner? This is what you're up against. You're never going to please everybody all the time. And, you know, this this was certainly a decision that rocked the core of this franchise in more ways than one. All right, Giant fans, stay tuned. We'll be back in segment three. We'll talk a little bit of Landon Collins, and then we'll call it a show. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants segment three. This is Patricia Trena, and I am doing a little short reaction show to some of what was said by John Maris, Steve Tisch, the Giant co-owners at the start of the NFL spring meetings out in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, so far, we've talked about the quarterback. We've talked about Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, the last major um, element of what was discussed was Landon Collins and uh, John Mara saying that he's still kind of smarting over Collins's deflection uh, to, to um, Washington. And, uh, and why not? I mean, Washington, of course, is a division rival. Uh, really, anybody who, who knew Landon Collins knew about his boyhood idol being Sean Taylor, the late safety who played with Washington. And it was always, I think, a desire of, of, of Landon Collins to go and play on the same field as his boyhood idol. And he, of course, will get an opportunity to do that starting in 2019 at a very rich price of approximately $14 million per year, way more than the $11.15 million franchise tag that the Giants would have had to use to retain him. So, uh, you know, basically Mara in speaking to the media said that, you know, it came down to, you know, uh, to value, you know, they couldn't afford to basically put the franchise tag on Collins because they didn't have a lot of cap space to work with to begin with. Uh, and had they used that franchise tag, chances are Collins would not have signed it until like maybe a week before the start of the season, which meant basically the Giants wouldn't have been able to do anything in free agency, you know, and uh, that just wasn't going to happen. That wasn't a good setup. So uh, Mara said uh, in, in his meeting with reporters quote it basically comes down to just like any other player putting a value on it here is where the numbers were going to end up for him do we want to spend it here or do we want to spend it elsewhere uh he goes on to say it was a difficult decision but ultimately the numbers that he was going to be able to achieve in free agency was not something we were willing to go um uh, it killed me to see him go. I know he wanted to be a giant and wanted to be here. He was homegrown and it meant a lot to him. But you have to make tough decisions and remove sentiment. Okay, there's that word again. Sentiment, personal feelings and whatnot. Um, tough decision for the Giants. Actually, not too tough if you think about the money involved. Yes, you do want to retain homegrown talent. But um, the Giants not able to do so in this case. But here's the other thing. There were reports last year that the Giants received trade offers for Collins. Now, as best as I could tell, the best they received was a third-round pick, although I've had other people tell me that the highest they got was a fourth-round pick as an offer. And, um, that you know, Collins, of course, was a second-rounder, and I believe there was a report that they wanted to get at least a second-rounder for him. Uh, Mara going on to say that he doesn't recall the offers being anything that they were willing to consider at the point in time. And, um, 
you know, now with Collins having moved on, the Giants are in line to get a third round comp pick in the 2020 draft, you know, so they can get a head start on stocking up in the draft if they, you know, if they don't do anything that jeopardizes that pick. Uh, and that's important because if they don't get their franchise quarterback this year, you can pretty much bet that next year will be the year they try and get it. And they will probably have to move up to get a franchise quarterback if they do not get it this get one this year. Now, here's the one thing that Mara said that kind of left me scratching my head a little bit. He goes on to say, quote, it was still early enough in the year that we had not completely given up. We wanted to see what happened with him. Collins and how he played he played well but unfortunately he got hurt now here's the problem I have with that statement that he said that they didn't give up but yet they moved on from Damon Harrison got a fifth round pick and I suppose they were happy to get a pick for him uh, because maybe they weren't looking at him in the long term they moved on from Eli Apple they got an extra I believe it was an extra fourth and then I think they got they got a pick in the 2020 draft as well but um, why say, you know, we had not completely given up? I mean, you st after that Atlanta loss on a Monday night, they basically made the two blockbuster trades and, you know, it sent the message pretty much that they were giving up. And uh, at the time, they also had Collins on the block. I think they were looking to move Olivier Vernon at the time. They were looking to move even Janoris Jenkins at the time. So, you know, th those three guys ended up finishing out the year with them, but just just conflicting messages there from John Mayer about what, where they were and what they were thinking at that point in time. So, you know, just they felt that, uh, you know, when it came to Collins, they, that the, the $11.15 million was going to be too rich for them, which it was. And uh, having moved on, they've replaced Landon Collins and uh, Curtis Riley with uh, Jabril Peppers, one of the players that was acquired in the, the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, and veteran Antoine Bethea, who they signed from Arizona after he was a salary cap cut. So whether or not they will be better with those two or worse off, that remains to be seen. But uh, the Giants have, uh, have moved on from their safeties from last year, and uh, we will see if James Betcher can get the most out of those guys, you know, two guys that the Giants supposedly like, you know, Peppers when he was coming out in the draft a couple of years ago. And of course, Bethay, who had a good year under Betcher in 2017 when they were both with the, um, the Arizona Cardinals. All right, Giant fans, that's going to wrap it up for this show. Want to thank y'all for listening. And again, thank you for your patience while I uh, knocked out this show. And I want to remind you that we are going to have a Twitter mailbag. So make sure you get your Twitter questions into me. You can send them to me at Patricia underscore trainer with the hashtag um, ask P train P T R A I N. You can also email them to me at locked on giants podcast at gmail.com. Appreciate you listening, and I'll be back talking to you later this week. Take care.